Hey everyone, welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, episode three. We did it. Yay, we made it. <laughs> uh, in this podcast, we uh, really just dig into um, uh, this week's sermon and just figure out a way to dig it a little bit deeper into our hearts. And so we're so glad that you all joined us today. Um, my name is Chris Brown. I'm the associate pastor here. My name is Jacob Belding. I'm the connections minister here. And we've got Judah Sanderford on sound. Hey. <laughs> All right, well, we are glad that y'all joined us today. Before I forget, I always mean to, to say this every time, um, if you're not subscribed or if you haven't liked the video, go like it, go subscribe, You know, go follow our pages and all that. It just helps the algorithm and all that. And then you get to just stay up to date on you know what's going on here at the church and you know what we're doing on this podcast. Uh, we enjoy doing this every week, and we want you to be able to see it. So, uh, yeah, just take a moment, uh, like and subscribe down there, and then just you know feel free to comment. Absolutely. Yeah, let us know what you think. Yeah, if you got anything you want to add, uh, we'd love to, to see it. But without further ado, we're going to get into the sermon, which this Sunday was Father's Day. Yes. Did you do anything for Father's Day? I ate some steak. You ate some steak? Yes, like I did. Homemade or? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my father-in-law is uh, excellent at grilling steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, had no idea that steak was good uh, growing yeah. up because usually when it came off the grill, it was extremely well done and... Like, what's this big deal about steak? It's chewy. It's hard to eat. Uh, I'm still chewing on it an hour later. Yeah, did you ever do the thing where you're chewing on it and um, you literally can't swallow it? Yeah. Like, like you're trying to swallow it and you oh, just yeah. can't. Yeah. So I had no idea steak was good until yeah. I started, uh, me and my wife started dating and her dad made steaks one time and I'm thinking, oh, great. You know, we're going to have to, how am I supposed to talk and chew at the same time? <laughs> Where's the ketchup? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pass the ketchup, please. There's no ketchup on the table. And it yeah. was uh, like... Solid, medium, rare yeah. on the rarer side. Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. So. If there's not juices coming out of it, it's just in the back. Yeah, that's Eat. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you? Uh, what did you guys do for Father's Day? So on actual Father's Day, we uh, went to my grandparents and visited with my family, had some ribs. That was fun. Oh. Enjoyed that. Um, now, as a family, like immediate family, we celebrated Father's Day uh, the day before. And for Father's Day, Randy let me choose where we get to eat, which is a rare treat. Yes. Um, <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> what a blessing. So we actually went to Panda Express. I oh, can man. hardly I can hardly ever get Randy to go to Panda Express for some reason. And she was like, she's like, where do you want to go? You choose. And I'm like, Panda. Panda Express. So, there we go. Went and drove, and it was great. And she actually liked it. And oh, so man. Maybe All I can right. get her to go there. Uh, more often, but Judah, you do anything fun for Father's Day? I yes, I did. I went swimming at my grandparents' house. I'm guessing your dad was there. Uh, yeah. Okay, few, too. Few. <laughs> as long as like your dad is there as part of the Father's Day celebration. <laughs> Just ditched your dad. To go swimming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> yes. Well, this Sunday was Father's Day, um, and so we hope you had a great Father's Day. And oddly enough. Coincidentally enough, the sermon was about fathers. Yes, it was. Which makes sense. Uh, so the sermon's title was The Faith of a Father, and we're going to get into that in, in just a second. But I've got an image to show you. Oh, and you, no. you, you probably saw it, um, but let's go and throw it up there. So here's the uh, title slide uh, for uh, the sermon. Did you see this? Yes, I did. Like, okay, yeah. okay, good. Um, so, Pastor Lee explained this was, I think, his first childhood home. Is that right? No, no. I think that's what he said. Yeah, his first one. And that's his dad um, sitting right there. And I'm more interested in this gargantuan 
picnic table <laughs> made of concrete. I even liked Lee's joke, Pastor Lee's joke. He said, uh, you know, that would be the one thing that would survive the apocalypse or, yes. or the second coming. Man, or absolutely. Until the second coming. Man, thank, goodness gracious. Like, that, <laughs> like, they don't make picnic tables like that anymore. No, they don't. Right? Yeah. Like, that thing is going to be here. Like, if there was a tornado, if there was an earthquake, I would get underneath <laughs> that, that picnic table. You would have nothing to worry about. Yeah, and he says dad made that, right? Uh, I, I don't rec- recall what I think he that's said, what he said. Um, but geez, that is a gargantuan picnic table. Um, anyways, I sh- I, we should bring those back. We should just go go home uh, yeah. today and just start building a, a concrete right. table. A new project uh, on which we can eat our Father's Day steaks and ribs. Yes. And, you yes. know, out by the swimming pool, even. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, so this, uh, this Sunday sermon was entitled The Faith of a Father, and it was all about uh, Manasseh, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the King Manasseh uh, for the Israelites, and uh, we're going to talk about it, but Manasseh was a pretty awful guy, Yep. but then repented uh, later on. And so, in the same way that he led the Israelites away from God, he also mm-hmm. started to bring the Israelites back to God yes. um, yeah. towards the end of his uh, reign. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things we're going to talk about about Manasseh, but but first, we're going to you know, go through the, the points that, that Pastor Lee gave, because what he was trying to do with this is um, looking at the story of Manasseh and some other things surrounding it, and figuring out, okay, what can we as fathers learn from this situation going on? Right. And so, um, uh, it's a little bit uh, shorter in the sense of there's only two points uh, that we're going to talk about. Uh, but those two points are, one, stay faithful. So, what can we as fathers do? We can stay faithful. And two, we can stay home. Mm-hmm. All right. So, we're going to dig into that. But before we dig into that, our passage for this is Second Chronicles 33, 1 through 10. Do you got that pulled up? Yes, I do. All right, so let's go ahead and read that. All right, Second Chronicles 33, verses 1 through 10. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down, and he erected altars to the Baals, and made Asherah, and worshipped all the host of heaven, and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. <laughs> so there's already enough stuff. Let, let, let's just yeah, let's stop there for a second. There. Yeah, okay. let's just pause right there. And let's just, let's just go through some of the highlights of this guy's career. So what, what do we got so far? So one, he, he was 12 years old. He was 12, and he reigned a long time. 55 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. How long did Queen Elizabeth II reign in England? How long was she queen? Uh, I don't know. Judah, look, look that for us. She's a, she was queen for a long time, uh, yeah. too. Just you know, it's uh, it's not always very common that rulers reign that long. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that is a long time. Mm-hmm. Even uh, Queen Elizabeth the uh, first reigned a very very long time, which mm-hmm. is kind of yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes it's a very very good thing, right? <laughs> Other times, not so much. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. So so while we're waiting on Judah uh, to look that up. 
So he's 12 years old, mm-hmm. reigned 55 years, and he did what was evil in the Lord's sight, which is probably an, an understatement. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Big so, time. so what's some of the highlights that he did? Well, uh, some of the things that he did, uh, he did a lot of the same evil things in verse 2 that the, the nations that had were living in the land of Canaan at the time of the Israelite conquest, all the same things that they were doing yeah. is what he brings back. So in a way, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, this is the opposite of the point of you guys yeah. being here. We're undoing everything right. uh, that we did. And and uh, he actually kind of mentions that. So each time, uh, do, do you got it? Yeah. So she reigned from 1952 to 2002, 22? That's 50 so years? 70. Oh, 70 years. Oh, oh 70 wow. Years. 70 years. Jeez. Long time. Long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so so one thing I find interesting is with every like with every sacrament, if you will, um, that that the the temple has and that he's undoing, it gives like the the basis for why that's even there, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like in um, like he built altar altars in the Lord's temple where the Lord had said Jerusalem is where my name will remain forever. Mm-hmm. So it's it's saying. This is what the purpose of this temple is for, and like this is like why this temple was built, and then saying, yeah, this is what he's doing to it exactly. So, yeah, so undoing a lot of the work uh, that that Israel had done up to that point, right? To to get to where it is. Um, what's some other things that he did? Um, so not only did he build uh, altars to the Baals and uh, build Asherah poles, um, but it says in uh, let's see, verse five. He built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. So that would be, uh, I mean, so that's pretty pervasive is what that means mm-hmm. uh, in the temple. It's not just like, oh, these were just sort of radiating outside and, and then the uh, worship of, of the one and, and true God is is sort of kept separate. Uh, th- it's like these things are being intermingled yeah. uh, together, Yeah, which, uh, again, is... Uh, is a really big deal. It's yeah, a, it's it's a, not a good look. Yeah. So it says Manasseh. he practiced uh, witchcraft, uh, divination, sorcery, mediums, spiritist, um, just not good things. No. Um, not good things for anyone to do, much less a king to do, because you know everything's going to trickle down from mm-hmm. the top there. On that. Um, he, well, then the, even the fortune telling and omens, sorcery, he dealt with mediums, and um, my translation says necromancers. I mean, a, a lot of the, the things that he's sort of consulting in order to to maybe decide on what to do in a particular situation or to learn things about the future. I mean, he's uh, he's completely disregarded and departed from God's law, that, mm-hmm. and that that's part of the point is. Uh, God made it very clear in, in the Old Testament uh, and, and laid out the law. Here's here's how we go about uh, living our lives as king. Here are the things that you need to uphold. Uh, God's very clear about mm-hmm. those things. And the only reason I can think of why anybody would go and look for, uh, for omens or uh, do any kind of fortune-telling anything or dealing with mediums is uh, it's just a complete departure uh, yeah. from the law of God. Which is where we're going to get into... The first point. Yep. <laughs> stay faithful. Right. Right. That's what he didn't do. He didn't stay faithful as the king. And so what that ended up causing him to do is not only lead himself astray, but lead all of Israel astray mm-hmm. as well. Yep. And so I think, uh, which I, I we, we, we can come back to the passage in just a second. 
but we can go ahead and get into that point of stay faithful. Um, one of the things that Lee pointed out is that fathers, um, like we have a tremendous power to lead our family mm-hmm. and to lead our kids, and um, for better or worse. So we can either lead them to God or it can lead them away from God. Mm-hmm. You got any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, and it um, it really starts with husbands. It starts with fathers. It starts with uh, men, uh, even. And so, uh, particularly within the, the Christian home, right, uh, men are called to be spiritual leaders uh, mm-hmm. in the home. And so, if we as men aren't staying faithful, then the immediate sort of result of that is going to be our our wives, our children also will uh, will suffer uh, because of those choices that we make uh, if we're not being faithful. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility there, which even gets into uh, point two a little bit. Don't want right. to get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, um, if if we want uh, if we want there to be uh, any sort of uh, revival to take place, if we want their uh, our kids to remain faithful, like. We need to set a good example uh, ourselves right. remaining faithful. Um, he mentioned uh, statistics of uh, people who, families that the, the dad follows Christ, there's a much higher percentage of the wife and the kids also following Christ mm-hmm. as well, where if the dad isn't following Christ, it's much less percentage of them following Christ as well. And so it's just very much of like, we do have a great influence no matter how much the world is trying to tell us that that men don't have an influence in their families, that moms can do it all by themselves, and that's no dig on single mothers. My mom was a single mother. It's no dig against them. It's just, like, you need a male influence there. You need a father figure there, and there's something that fathers can do that men or uh, mothers can't do. And to mm-hmm. be fair, there's things that mothers can do that, that fathers can't do either. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so one of our roles is to lead, and in leading, staying faithful to Christ and leading our, our family yeah. in that. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, when uh, when we say stay faithful, I think you know, that's an it's an excellent point. It's something that you know, we all uh, need to be striving to do is remain faithful through uh, you know all different seasons uh, in our lives. Um, so. What does that look like? How can we go about being faithful in practice? Like, if there are, are there any practical steps or uh, anything in particular to focus on uh, when it comes to remaining faithful uh, with, uh, in regard, especially to our families? Yeah. So, um, I think, particularly from like a, a father standpoint. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the big things is just um, like showing your faith. Um, I think that's like in the same way that like. Like, I have to be faithful just in my own personal life before I can be faithful to my family, right? And so, it's, it's very much like if I tell Lottie, you know, do these things, but I'm not doing these things, then, then I'm not being faithful, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm like, you know, rules for thee, but not for me mm-hmm. kind of thing. And I think, you know, with kids, as I'm sure you've realized, um, a lot more is caught than taught. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, like Lottie will repeat what we say, right? And so, if if she's not seeing me live out my life and following God, then she a lot of time isn't going to do it either, mm-hmm. right? If prayer isn't an important thing to me, it's probably not going to be an important thing to her. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, uh, going to church and building community and studying the Bible isn't important to me, 
is probably not going to be important to her. It may be important to her, like, in her younger years, you know, when it's fun, right. you know, to go to kids' church and stuff. But when she grows up and, you know, the games go away, uh, if she hasn't, you know, had it embedded in her of why we go to church and why we're part of this community, then she's just not going to see it as important, and she's just going to drift, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's one of the big things is just um, in our own personal life, just live it out. Mm-hmm. Live it out and let them see that. Uh, so we do, uh, we host our small group in our home from time to time, and so we'll have you know, you know eight or ten people uh, in our living room, and uh, we have uh, two kids, and uh, there's a few other babies and another two or three year old in there and uh they all take turns on crying (laughs) and so sometimes uh my daughter is just not having a good time uh and and she's crying and it can very easily like start to like distract a Mm -hmm. little bit and i and i told the group uh, one time i was like hey i realize that my daughter's being a little bit of a distraction right now um, but I thank y'all for y'all's patience because what I what I love about having her here is that she's seeing us look at the Bible and talk through all these things, and so she's she's seeing that church isn't just a Sunday morning thing, but it's a hey th- this is a real thing that's coming into our lives, and my hope is is that she'll have those memories going forward of um, if she doesn't remember anything else about church, she'll, she'll remember the community of people that gather together in our home where like, oh, we're seriously going to talk about what's going on in each other's lives and pray for each other and dig into the word. And I think that's going to, again, she's going to see that as me and Randy being faithful in our faith. And then that'll translate to her being faithful in her faith mm-hmm. as well. Yep. More, yeah. more caught than taught for sure. Yeah. Which is, uh, it kind of brings up another point too, that Kids, uh, and I'm sure you've experienced this uh, as well, uh, but uh, kids almost act like a mirror reflection of us. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, if you've noticed this with no, yours. I, but, have. I uh, have. Oh, man. It's, uh, you know, one of my kids will do something or say something or use a tone that, like, I don't, you know, no, I don't appreciate you using that tone or, or whatever. And then I've got to think about it. I'm like, uh, okay, that's a little convicting. Maybe uh, maybe I've used that tone, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe I've done that thing or said that thing that I don't appreciate them doing or saying. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it, uh, it definitely, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, again, responsibility uh, there. Yeah. And it, But the, the mirror is nice because it even helps us uh, to make those own adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, uh, for me, I know that you know, even blind spots that, oh, man, I didn't realize I was talking that way. Yeah, yeah, you don't realize what you actually say. Yeah. Um, Lottie. Until uh, they tape record it back. For right, you. <laughs> pretty much. Like, uh, you know, something will happen. Lottie will go, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, where'd you hear that? <laughs> and then five minutes later, something happened. And I went, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's me. That's where yeah. she heard it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So when I was in college, this doesn't have to do with kids, um, but similar, you know, mirror reflection aspect. Um, I was hanging out with a group of friends, and they point out to me that I say we was a lot, like like, like you know we was going over here, mm-hmm. and I was I looked at them, I was like I don't say that, <laughs> y'all y'all are crazy, and they they looked at me and they said okay we're gonna start pointing it out every time you say that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I said that <laughs> so much, like it was like multiple times conversation. They said you just said it, and yeah. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize I said that. Um, 
but when I started to have the realization that that was going on and, and some accountability <laughs> to point it out to me, um, I started to weed that out of my language and said, so, no, I would say we were, <laughs> um, you know, the proper way to say it. And, you know, kind of the same thing with the kids. Like, um, you know, when you see that mirror reflection, uh, a an improper response would be, you don't say that, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to continue saying that. Right, exactly. Um, a proper response would be some introspection, say, like, okay, I don't want her saying that. Like, that's not the best for her. So maybe I shouldn't say that as well, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, granted, just because something comes out of your kid's mouth doesn't mean that they necessarily picked it up from you. Doesn't know. So yeah. yesterday, here's a good story. We mm-hmm. were uh, we had the whole family uh, in in the car. We were driving down to Weatherford. And I don't remember what it was that we were talking about, but we were playing some kind of a car game where you try to guess some kind of something that starts with a particular letter, and then there, you get uh, some hints, and you try to guess. And uh, Sam, she, uh, I don't remember what in the world she said, but uh, she made a guess, and everybody's laughing. And then Joni, our three-year-old, pipes up in the back seat, and she goes, you're not funny, Mom. <laughs> and everybody just starts laughing. It's like... She didn't hear that from us, I don't think. Uh, where is she getting that one? Are you sure you didn't say that? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Behind closed doors, it's like, your mom's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, I've, Lottie does the opposite with me. She'll, like, I'll be annoying Randy and trying to mess with her, and Lottie will go, you're funny, Dad. And I'm like, just encouragement. It just propels yes. me on just to keep going. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Um, but yeah, it's very much mere reflection and, and self-analyzing of like, okay, how can I be more faithful so that way my daughter or my son mm-hmm. uh, can be more faithful um, as well. Um, now, now getting into this, um, it's not always like a sure thing. So you've got the right. the uh, the passage: raise a child up in the Lord, and they shall not soon depart. That's not a promise. Right. It's a principle. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. promises mean like a plus B will equal C. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more like A plus B will like put you in the, the vicinity of mm-hmm. C, right? Um, but it's not a sure thing. Right. And, and we see that in today's passage, mm-hmm. right? So we Absolutely. got Manasseh, awful guy, did awful things in the sight of the Lord, led Israel astray, awful king, but was raised by the best king mm-hmm. of Israel. Yep. Hezekiah. Yeah. So, so do you have anything on Hezekiah? Um, well, um, one of the things, so I, I kind of want to, I'd kind of be curious. Mm-hmm. Now, scripture doesn't tell us, so this sort of, you know, speculating, but I think we see the same thing played out even today, um, you know, just in, in practical life situations. So, you raise, uh, I mean, we there's nothing in the text that would seem to suggest that uh, Manasseh wasn't raised up in the fear and, and discipline of the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hezekiah, again, was a great king, uh, the, the best king uh, at this point. Which, the, the, that's not us saying that. That's the Bible right. saying that. Yeah, Scripture right. says that. Scripture says yeah. that uh, um, Hezekiah was the best king. Right. Before, uh, I think even Judah, better right? than uh, Solomon and David it says that, right? Second um, Kings so. 18. Let me look up just yeah. to make sure. Yeah, double check. Uh, 
Yeah, Second Kings eighteen five. Hezekiah relied on the Lord God of Israel. Not one of the kings of Judah was like him, either before him or after him. He remained faithful to the Lord and did not turn from following him, but kept the commandments of the Lord had commanded Moses. So mm-hmm. essentially saying there's no one like him. Before that or after that, Hezekiah, man, great yeah. guy. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> my uh, I'm kinda curious if uh, if Hezekiah would have lived long enough to have uh, seen his son turn out the way that he did, at least uh, for the first part of his reign when he's doing all these awful things, um, including sacrificing his own sons Mm -hmm. uh, to these false gods. Uh, What would Hezekiah's reaction have been, and and what would a proper reaction then be? Yeah, I I guess that's a a good point before we get too deep into those questions of, Manasseh took over at age 12. Yeah. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but... There was some overlap in the rule. Yeah, there was some overlap. Um, and so, uh, what what was it? How, how many years was there overlap? I can't remember. I don't remember either. Um, but yeah, there was a little bit of overlap. Uh, but presumably, Hezekiah died, right? And then Manasseh was you know left on his own. Mm-hmm. And so, the, or are you saying the question is... What if Hezekiah would have stayed alive longer? Yeah, let's say even he wasn't king, right? Uh-huh. He retires, and uh, his son goes off and is doing all of these things. You know, how is it that Hezekiah, uh, or or even uh, maybe maybe we can sort of bring it to today? So uh, here's this, the hypothetical, right? That does play itself out. We spend a lot of time uh, faithfully, staying faithful, raising our our children in the Lord. And then uh, they grow up, they become teenagers, young adults, and then they depart from the faith. What's what's the proper response? How should oh, we go okay. about? Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it's tricky, man, because on one hand, so presumably they're out of the house, they're past eighteen, they're adults, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're living their own life. So there's this weird balance of like you are still their parent, and you still want to guide them. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, they're an adult. And they can make all of the decisions on their own. And if you lean too heavy into your parenting, now it just pushes right. them away. It alienates them. Yeah. And, and they're like, okay, well, if you're just going to tell me what to do, I'm an adult. If you're just going to keep telling me what to do, I just won't come around anymore. Um, and so there's that balance of how can you um, faithfully kind of help lead them uh, and at the same time not push so hard that it pushes them away and does the opposite of what you want it to do. Uh, and man, I don't have a good answer, um, mainly because my child is three, right. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to delay that for 15 more years. Um, but I think, I think probably a, a good start is like where I'm at right now. Yeah, so, so I'm at age three, which means I need to spend the next 15 years of Lottie's life um, creating a, a culture and an environment where um, she trusts me and where she is open to coming to me with her problems and that she's willing to hear what I have to say. Um, I, I heard like a good a good rule of thumb or, or, or a good like parenting technique is um, by age 18, there are no rules in your household. So she's age three right now basically nothing but rules. She has very little autonomy mm-hmm. in, in the household. But with every year that she grows up, she gets a little bit more responsibilities and a little bit less rules. And, you know, the idea being 
you know, let's say she turns 12 and it's like, okay, at, at the age 12, it's going to be like, okay, we're going to allow you to do this now um, on your own. But if you show us that you are not responsible with this, we're going to pull the reins back mm-hmm. and reestablish the rule. And so, like, with every year, you're just a little bit more freedom, a little bit more freedom. And the idea is by 18, complete freedom, but it's not a stark nothing to everything overnight. It's a slow burn. So, like, they, so they learn how to gain autonomy um, and make proper decisions while you're under their household. So, so essentially, the idea being, um, ideally, uh, speaking as someone who has a three-year-old, not an 18-year-old, uh, but ideally is you kind of create a culture where they have they've learned responsibilities and they've learned that they can come to you when those responsibilities start to get murky in mm-hmm. the waters. So, so I, th- I think that would be kind of the first preliminary start is to do that. But let's assume that they're 18 already yeah. or they're 20 or, or whatever. Um, and they're out of your house. Um, uh, yeah, I would say... Yeah, again, just showing that fine line of like, you know, hey, I'm here for you. I want the best for you. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what to do because one, I can't. Uh, and two, like you just, you're an adult now. You need to be able to make your own decisions. Um, not a not a great answer. Mm-hmm. But, uh, do you got thoughts? Um, Lee brings it up sometimes when uh, during a sermon, uh, you, you know, one thing that, that we can do is uh, just be in prayer yeah, and not sure. g- not give up. You know, he's even uh, talked about that recently on on a Sunday morning. Um, uh, other things we can do is still be faithful. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times when our kids are, are not so when when there are grown uh, children that are leaving the house, making their own decisions that are poor decisions that are departing from the faith. Um, you know, I think there's a a lot of times a temptation where you don't want to lose that relationship. You don't want to lose uh, having a good relationship with them because at that point, you know, you really want to shift ultimately into being friends uh, mm-hmm. with them. I mean, at the same time, uh, yeah. you're still, you're always a parent, but at the same time, there's more of a friendship role that we'll get to enjoy. Um, and so we don't want there to be so much focus on being friends and affirming uh, their uh, sinful uh you know, departure from the faith and the things that, that they go out and do. And so I think for us, even remaining faithful, going back to the first point, mm-hmm. right? Being faithful, remaining faithful, uh, despite that, uh, is important. So to not compromise on our own faith in order to pursue and try to make that relationship better somehow to be able to bring them back, I think staying, uh, staying firm in our faith is, is important as yeah. well. Yeah, and then hopefully, you know, it can... You know, almost if we're talking about someone who has departed from the faith, uh, hopefully you can have a prodigal son moment, right? Uh, right. Kind of thing where, uh, you know, if we take a look at that situation, so, so the son wants to leave the father, and the father's like, okay, here you go. Um, the father didn't dig his heels in. Right. The father didn't say, no, you're staying here, and you're going to like it. Um, he said, okay, if, if you want to do that, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, go on out, and, and you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure he made it abundantly clear. When you're ready, I'm here. I'm here ready to go. Yep. Um, and somewhere along the way, um, in the prodigal son's adventures, there was probably something in the back of his mind of like, you know, like I, 
maybe I can return home. Because I'm sure there's a lot of guilt that kind of comes along that right. as well. You but, know, like, you know, I've, I've shamed my father. I've mm-hmm. shamed our family name. And, like, no matter what he has said to me, there's part of that, that thought of, like, man, I just, I've done too much. I can't go back. Yeah, and, and if you remember in the parable, he didn't come back and ask to be fully reinstated as his son. Yeah. He came back and he mm-hmm. said, hey, I would be content just being a servant here because yeah. I would live a better life than I, I was out there with the pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, I mean, there was no expectation there either, but the father in the parable was gracious to his son and merciful to his son mm-hmm. um, and reinstated him as his son, uh, mm-hmm. even though there was nothing that he did <laughs> to merit that or earn yeah. that. And so yeah. know, we're getting off. Uh, I'm getting yeah. off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's very much, you know, staying faithful. And then, you know, when they do reach that point, because, you know, if you're 18 or 20 years old, you think you have the world figured out, right? Yes. It's like... Like, I, I don't need anyone to tell me what to do. I've got all the wisdom in the world to know what to do. And it's not until you get, you know, a few years into that that you realize, oh, this this adult life is a bit more complicated than I thought it was. Um, I don't quite have everything figured out. And and if um, if you just take the faithful approach, it's like that. I'm not, I'm not going to celebrate your sin, but I'm also not going to drag you kicking and screaming right, right. Uh, I'm just going to stay faithful over here I'm going to pray for you I'm, and I'm going to be here for you then hopefully there's not such a hardness and bitterness built mm-hmm. up right. that when they do hit rock bottom that they're ready to come back mm-hmm. um, but if you press in too hard yeah yeah, there's going to the, a, a pride issue starts to yes. come out in, yeah. in the place and so it's it's a so that, you, that many more obstacles in the way yeah so you may have like you know you know, at 18, they start making these decisions and you may be fighting with them for the next five years. And so now they're 23 and they're ready at 23 to come back. But there's been so much turmoil and arguing and bickering and bitterness built up that the, even though they're ready to come back, they won't. Right. They just won't because like now they have to get past their pride mm-hmm. and their pride is in that. It's sort of where the Jews were <laughs> yeah. um, with God. They just got so hardened um, to the Word of God that they, they couldn't get past that that, that hardness. Um, anyways, so yeah, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a good place to be. And then, yeah, just pray because at the end of the day, again, they're adults. They, they make their own decisions. Uh, as Dave Ramsey says, uh, stupidity isn't illegal. And so, uh, you just... <laughs> You let people be stupid. <laughs> um, Sometimes it's that way. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, uh, did you have any other thoughts on that one? Um, no, just, again, reiterating the point, uh, stay faithful. Yeah. Uh, it starts uh, in the home with men. It starts with husbands. It starts mm-hmm. with, with fathers. Primarily. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have, um, so like it's like in the case with Hezekiah, who's the dad of Manasseh, and Hezekiah was a great king, and so we're going to presumably assume that he was also a great dad. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't give us any indication that he wasn't. Uh, so you had the greatest king, presumably a great dad, and you still have Manasseh. Mm-hmm go off his on his own way and so like if you have a situation where like you have a child who is kind of departed from the faith that doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong that's right yeah. i mean look at david and solomon yeah. even mm-hmm. i mean uh, david was a, a man after god's own heart 
Um, and uh, Solomon, while he did a lot of great things, he also did a lot of boneheaded things. Mm-hmm. And it That's was, how he got the wisdom. Right? Yeah, yeah, and it's because of Solomon that the, the kingdom of Israel split mm-hmm. uh, into two. Uh, I think Lee brought that up yeah. uh, Sunday morning as well. Yeah, and so it's very much like if you're in a situation, like, like don't overly beat yourself up. Right. Like, you know, it's easy to like try to look back and be like, where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? You, you may have not did anything wrong. Like that's, that's the beauty of autonomy is like, you have the, the ability to like depart from the faith or, or go towards the faith. And so, um, just because your child has departed from the faith doesn't necessarily mean that you are the cause of that with a caveat of you may do some introspection. Yeah. At the same time, you may ask like, did we, did we lean too heavy on the rules of religion mm-hmm. and not enough on the faith and the grace of religion? Mm-hmm. Um, did our kids see um, our religion more as a Sunday morning thing, or did they see it as a daily um, following Christ thing? I think all these are, are good things to ask and just ask, like, where did we go wrong? Um, and then the answer may be, we didn't. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, another good reminder is, uh, it's not... Uh, it's not our job to change uh, anybody's heart. Mm-hmm. It's not our job to change our kids' hearts. Um, if uh, For us, being faithful means raising our kids in the fear and instruction of the Lord. Um, but God's the one who saves. Uh, yeah. Parents aren't the ones who save. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if we are faithful and diligent to raise our kids in, in the right way, you know, we need to be able to uh, really leave the results up to God yeah. at the end of the day. Yep. So that, that even takes a little, uh, some pressure off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So you've got um, stay faithful. Mm-hmm. I think we've belabored that enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, stay faithful that we have a an amazing power to lead our family and our children either to God or away from God. Mm-hmm. And we see that with Manasseh led Israel away from God. Um, and then the second one is stay home. Stay home. Thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I, man, stay home. Uh, and uh, Pastor Lee, he, he said, you know, that doesn't mean that you like, you know, can't go to the store. Right. Or, <laughs> it's like, okay. So uh, he's not saying be a stay home dad. Right. right. Not necessarily. Um, yeah. Right. Not that that's a bad thing. Right. But, yeah. but uh, yeah, he's not saying, uh, okay, everybody, uh, in order to pull this off, we're all just going to stay home. <laughs> uh, we're going to stay in a little, like, make our home a little convent or a little monastery. Yeah. We'll and, all either uh, telework. Uh, yeah. you know, re- remote work from home, Teladoc, or, or we'll uh, all start Amazon drop shipping, you know, companies. Yeah, you know. yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, I'll be little uh, recluses or, yeah. or something. Yeah, that's not um, what he means. No, yeah. no, uh, no. He said, uh, "Don't quit on your family. Don't quit on your responsibilities." And so, uh, I don't know about you. Uh, ah, that reminds me. That fourth one. Don't get divorced. That's what it was oh, okay. on, the, on the, those four things to, to be, that, that that was the one that was slipping my mind. The most important one that we're talking about: don't get divorced, uh, keep the family intact, stay home. Okay. Yes, there we go. Yes, okay. stay home. Uh, which uh, you know, staying home and and really uh, fulfilling those responsibilities, which once again is right is tied right back to being faithful, uh, is important. Uh, I think uh, uh, I don't know about you, uh, but it it sure can it can be easy. Uh, I know, especially in the past, it's, uh, you know, there's things that I like to go and do that my wife doesn't like to go and do. And uh, there have even been times, uh, early marriage, where, uh, you know, I would enjoy going out and 
uh, and going hunting uh, a lot. And I was gone a lot. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I was gone so much that it started to negatively impact, you know, our relationship. And so uh, I think for sure, you know, there needs to be a balance whenever we, we look at our lives, especially as men, husbands, and fathers, you know, yeah, we have work, we have our hobbies, we have our families, we have the, the, all the things that we uh, like to do, that, that we have responsibility to do. Are we balancing those things well? Yeah, and, and this, is a, this is a unique struggle for our culture where it wasn't as much so in the previous culture. Because in, in previous cultures, um, your kids did what you did. Like if you were a blacksmith, your kids grew up and they were blacksmith. If you were a farmer, they were a farmer. So whenever it came time, like let's say in the Jewish community, um, I think it was uh, 13, they were done with their their formative education. Um, and then they would make a choice at 13. They would say, okay, I'm either going to um, continue on in my education to become like a rabbi um, or I'm going to go do the family trade. It's at 13. That's where you do it. Uh, and so from 13 on, unless they were going to go do that uh, further education, they would be with the dad almost all day. Like, like the sons be with the father, the, the daughters be with the mother and they would be learning the trade. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in their most formative years, you were all day with them, teaching yep. them how to do work and how to, you know, live out life. Well, now it's not the case, yep. right? It's like you, both you and I, left our kids today and went to work. Um, My wife, uh, on the days that she works, will leave the kids and go to work. And so that's, you know, presumably eight hours a day um, that we're not with our kids, where in history past, we were with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and you know, it's just the way the culture is. You know, it's the way that we're set up. You know, I don't think, you know, it's necessarily a bad thing. Um, But it just means that we have to be all the more intentional because now we have an eight-hour gap that's gone. Right. We're in history. We had that. Mm -hmm. And so now, um, with that eight-hour gap gone, now the time that we do have, we just have to be all the more intentional to be there Mm -hmm. and be present. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then um, another thing to think about is, you know, for those uh, eight hours uh, that that the kids aren't with us, too, you know, are we responsible in sort of overseeing what it is that they're Mm -hmm. uh, consuming uh, or... Uh, taking in or how it is that they're being uh, influenced, whether it's by, you know, the world culture, um, those sorts of things, uh, others. Um, and yeah, so... Especially with public schools, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, you're like, I wasn't going to go there. But, I wasn't going to go there. But, <laughs> well, um, you know, so it, it's a reality that we're in. And, and, right, and right. we're not necessarily saying public schools are bad. My, my kids aren't old enough to be in school yet, and, and we haven't fully decided what we're going to do yet. Um, but gone are the days that you could hand your kids off to those teachers and, and trust that they're going to get everything that they need and nothing more. Right. Um, yeah. And, uh, I think part of the reality is, I mean, here in Texas, right. It's, uh, it's far less, um, you know, woke, uh, mm-hmm. or there's far less indoctrination, uh, here, uh, in school districts. Um, than uh, other parts of the country. And I don't think, I mean, that's, I think that's pretty clear. Um, you know, and part of the issue is it really depends on the teacher yeah. and, and what extra things that they, yeah, especially uh, in the younger. In. In the yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, no, I, I don't think, you know, public schools are, uh, are 
you know, like, oh, that's the problem. If we could, uh, if we yeah. only pull them out, then problem solved. Right. It's not the case. Yes, yeah, so um, I, I went to I went to a private Baptist school for um, for college. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught at a Christian school. Um, all the things that are in public schools are in private schools. Yeah. They're just a little bit a little bit more tame. Right. Um, and they're a little bit more um, segregated mm-hmm. in the sense of like they're hidden off over here. Like, you know, you know, went to East Texas Baptist University. And um, you know, you think, oh, we're going to a Baptist school, it's gonna be a church service all day. No one's ever gonna do anything wrong. And you know, there's parties and yeah. whatnot. And uh, you know, sin is going to find its way. Wait, at a Baptist yeah, at college? A Baptist school, yeah, right. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, uh, sin is going to find its way in these things. And so, regardless of if it's public school, home school, private school, you still have to do your due diligence. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. yeah, and I mean, and there are, um, you know, I don't think we should, uh, there's even a lot of public school teachers that uh, are faithful believers mm-hmm. and faithful Christians, yeah. and uh, you know the thing is, uh, you know, do you know your, do you know who the teachers are? Yeah, I think is is a big part of it, and then, you know, uh, you know what are they learning? So I think uh, I think you you said it just a minute ago <coughs> that you know gone are the days where you can just sort of blindly trust and and mm-hmm. uh, in, uh, in any school really mm-hmm. uh, to to feed our kids the things that they need to, and I think it it goes back to that, um, you know stay home, uh, we should be responsible and not even try to rely on uh, a school, whether it's public, whether it's private. Uh, homeschool is a little different because parents are the ones doing the teaching. I don't trust uh, them. <laughs> right. Or, or, or let's say even church. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's things that you know a private school can do, a private Christian school can do. There's things that the church can do to help uh, raise uh, kids and, and be able to teach kids. But the ultimate responsibility for raising mm-hmm. our kids in the Lord is us yeah. as parents. Um, and so, you know, there's, again, the responsibility falls on us. Yeah. So even though, so, so the principle of stay at home, even in the situations that we're not literally at home with the kids, let's say they have to go to school or whatnot, the principle of it is you are still responsible for your kids. And so do your due diligence, meet the teachers Ask your kids what they're learning mm-hmm. when they come home, yeah. um, and you know, not that there's going to be some great, you know, <laughs> you right. know thing happen. Um, but yeah. e- even if it's like they're just learning math, you still have a responsibility to know what your kid is learning and and help them in that and walk them through that. You know, if you're if they're not if they're not coming with you to work to learn the trade, as in you know the past, at the very least, what you can do is um, help them process what they learned. Yeah. While you were yeah, that's out right there. And, uh, you know, part of it is asking really good questions. Mm-hmm. So uh, I go to pick my kids up from school in the afternoon during the school year, and if I ask them, how did school go today? The answer is, it was good. Okay, great. What did you learn today? Nothing. What was your favorite part of the day? Lunch, recess, <laughs> something like that. I can't even so. be mad at them. So I'll come home, and Randy will be like, so how was work today? I was like, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Randy needs to ask you better questions. Yeah. Uh, so like, uh, Randy, are you watching? All right, pay attention. Here we go. <laughs> right. So um, instead of saying, "Oh, like, what did you learn at school today?" It's you know, what did you read today? Mm-hmm. Or uh, you know, what books uh, did did the teacher read? Or what books uh, did you check out from the library? Or 
hey, uh, I know that you're learning about, because teachers send out newsletters, mm-hmm. usually at the elementary level at least, and so I know what they're going over, what they're going through. So it's a trick question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I know the answer. I want to hear them tell me about it because I want to mm-hmm. know what they're getting. And yeah. it's like, how's edition going this week? You know, you know yeah. those sorts of things. And uh, <laughs> How's edition going? Oh, it's great. I'm really good. What's one plus one? <laughs> <laughs> just ask him for right, yeah. pop wisdom in the watch the wheels yeah. start turning. Yeah. Yep. And then, uh, um, like, what uh, does plus mean? Right. Anyways. Or or another thing is, you know, checking their work. Teachers send work home. Yeah. So you can go and look and actually see what it is that they've been doing in class and learning and mm-hmm. um and that way you can ask those probing questions and well, hey, look, I see you got this one wrong. It's it's a tool. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So uh taking responsibility um for even whenever you aren't there with your kids, mm-hmm. taking responsibility for it, and um, doing due diligence, following up, helping them process, all those things. All that's part of being um, not just a good dad, but a good parent mm-hmm. uh, in that. And um, let's uh, let's talk about the study that that Lee uh, brought up. There's a guy that was looking at church decline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an interesting topic uh, that we could spend a lot of time on. Oh, you got it pulled up? There we go. What, what was the name of it? Yeah, it's on Fox News. It's the, the title of the article is, Here's Why People Abandon Church and the Right Way to Fix It. Uh, evangelists must foster, foster uh, healthy, Christ-centered marriages for a faith renewal to take root. Yeah. So it's looking at the the decline of the church and the denominations, and and that's been pretty well established for a little bit. Yes. Um, COVID kind of accelerated that mm-hmm. a bit, um, but pretty much every denomination um, and Christianity as a whole in America is on the decline. And this article that that Lee brought up is kind of digging into okay, why is that the case? Um, and, and how can we fix that? And this guy uh, drew some correlations on um, the decline of the church with the decline in the stability of the household, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and so as households started to become more unstable and single motherhood and single parents started to become a bigger thing and divorce started to become a bigger thing, that's when we started to see the decline mm-hmm. in that. And I think it said 80% of churchgoers came from intact, stable homes, right? So, only 20%, only one in five people in church came from a broken home. And so, so with all that, you know, he's drawn the conclusion of the decline of the church is due to the decline of the, of the stability of the home, meaning that the solution to increase church attendance and Christianity is going to be the increase and the stabilization of the home, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, with the second point, stay home. Mm-hmm. We have this responsibility to our kids. At the same time, in order to benefit the kids and to help fulfill that responsibility to the kids, we also need to be responsible to our spouse yeah. as well and, and really do everything that we can to invest in our marriages. So. Um, I mean, if it, there wasn't enough to do already, uh, just with raising the kids, um, I mean, we're responsible for maintaining and even uh, building up our marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the the study found uh, 80% of all Sunday church attendees in the United States grew up in a continuously married home with both biological parents at a time when this is becoming increasingly rare. So, uh, 80%. Yeah. I mean that's that's a huge number. That's not like oh it's it's close, mm-hmm. right? 80%. Well, and for sure like so kids 
very rarely are the actual like, cause of divorces, right? Right. No, the stress of kids may be like putting stress on the marriage and causing them, but usually it's because just you know, the, the parents don't get along or there's infidelity or, or trust issues or, or whatnot, whatever it may be. Um, but you are no good. A, a marriage that's not healthy is going to be no good for kids. Right. right. So if your primary focus is, I want to take care of my kids at the expense of my marriage, well, that's all ultimately going to be to the detriment of your kids. Absolutely. Right. And so the better thing is, okay, let's first make sure our marriage is good. And then the overflow of that is going to be into our kids. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, like if you kind of look at a, a hierarchical um, kind of tiered systems, like, okay, first I need to make sure that I'm just operating. Yeah, I'm operating to my fullest ability, not in an indulgence sense, but in like, like, am, am I taking care of myself? Am, is my walk with the Lord where it should be? Um, I just need to make sure that I am solid. Next, I need to make sure my relationship with my wife is solid and care for her. Okay, how can I get her to 100%? Mm-hmm. Um, and then out of that, now it can flow down to our kids of, okay, how can we best do our kids? But a lot of times um, parents will sacrifice not only their relationship with their spouse, but themselves mm-hmm. as well um, for their kids. And that might work in the short term, mm-hmm. but long term, it's like it's unsustainable. Yeah. Which is why like, you know, eventually divorce will happen because the parents have become glorified roommates yeah. with each other. And so, and yeah. it's it's not hard to imagine how that happens, yeah. especially with young young children, younger mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, by the time that you can get them in bed, if they'll stay in bed, <laughs> right? It's already pretty late. Yeah. You're both exhausted and mm-hmm. tired and just ready to crash for the night. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, we've done that where it's oh. man, we fight with the kids and finally yeah. get them to to go to bed. Especially our daughters are both night owls. Uh, that you know they take after me a little bit uh, on that, mm-hmm. Paul. No, his head hits the pillow. He's out like a light. Yeah. Uh, but the girls, I mean, they'll they'll be up even late, and then uh, we're just trying to sit on the couch and decompress a little bit, and then you hear the little pitter patter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A feet coming. It's like I thought we put y'all to bed like forty five minutes ago. Why are y'all awake? Well, yeah. they're they just feed off each other. Um, they're mm-hmm. lucky. They're cute. Uh, but uh, I mean, even that by the time. Uh, you know, again, by the time that everybody's actually in in bed and asleep, and you have a moment uh, to your just yourselves, you and your spouse, then uh, it's like, man, I don't feel like talking, or I don't mm-hmm. feel like spending any time with you, and so uh, just want to numb out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, right. Uh, and so, you know, being intentional about, uh, I think we have to be intentional about yeah. it. Yeah, and it's you know, practical ways to do that is just a date night. Mm-hmm. You know, finding time to. Uh, you know, uh, ask friends to, y'all have watched our kids before mm-hmm. uh, while we go out and eat steak. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, you know, if you need to scrounge up some pennies to like hire a babysitter or, or do whatever, just to like have some time to invest in each other. Um, working cooperatively together to allow each other to have time mm-hmm. um, to, to decompress. You know, there's some days that, you know, I watch the kids and it's a great day. There's some days I need a break. I need a break. Randy comes in. I need to go sit alone for 30 minutes. Um, and in just, the quiet, in the dark, <laughs> overstimulated all day. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, you know, just finding ways to, like, care for each other and, um, and like, giving them, like, like you know, there's, there's times that, like, I need to go to the store and pick up something. And it's, um, 
I can leave both kids with Randy or I can just take Claudia with me because she, yeah. she's kind of at that age. She likes going mm-hmm. to the store and that might, um, you know, help ease her load yeah. for those 30 minutes that I'm gone. It's an adventure. Those things, those trips are yeah. fun, yeah. especially when you, you have multiples and you can mm-hmm. just take the one along. And uh, and even that brings up another point is being uh, intentional about your relationship with your individual kids because yeah. that, that can be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my three, uh, eight, six, and then three, um, I mean, so much of the time when they're all together, it's like they have their own little society. And uh, in a lot of ways, I'm on the outside looking in. And so whenever I get, uh, if, whenever I get the, especially the older two kids, one on one, it's uh, I really enjoy the time yeah. you know that I get with them, and it helps their mom, like you yeah. said, if. Yeah. Uh, if I need to go to the store anyway and she's had a long day, then, well, maybe I'll take one of the two older ones and the little one or, or you know, whatever the combo is. And uh, it's fun. It's a, it's a great way even to invest in, in yeah. our kids and our relationships with them. Well, because a lot of times, especially with younger kids, uh, I can't speak for older kids because we're not there yet. Um, but a lot of times, like, man, you're just kind of in survival mode. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not thinking about how do I thrive in this situation. <laughs> you're thinking about how do I just survive yeah. in this situation? How do I how do I get through it without killing one of the kids and getting into a fight with my spouse? <laughs> um, and, and so it's kind of like, and, and in some cases, like, you, you have to live in that mode. Like, if you've got a brand new baby. You're in survival mode. You're in survival mode. <laughs> like, you're just trying to get through the day. Um, but you have to come to a point where where you have to intentionally sit down and say, how do we shift from survival to a sustainable long-term solution mm-hmm. um, to where uh, both of us are getting what we need um, individually, we're getting what we need as uh, a marriage, and we're also getting what we need as a family. Yeah. Uh, and intentionality right. is the way to do it. Well, and those, those three things really need to uh, take place at once, the taking care of yourself, your marriage, and your family. So it's... Uh, if if you are you've been introspective, you realize I'm not investing as much as I should in myself or in my marriage. That's not a blank check to just write off the kids and hey, I'm going to go on a six month self discovery right. journey. I'm going to go backpacking through Europe and I'm going I'm going to really you know discover myself. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, pour into myself that way. That's uh, and I don't think that's what you're saying. Yeah, no, just no. To be clear, it's not a free ticket to be selfish. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, because it can very easily shift into I need to take care of myself, and I'm taking care of myself at the expense of right. my spouse, right. at the expense of my kids. Um, and yeah, sure. Like I could be filled up if I just have three hours to go do what I want every single day. But now it's three hours that that load gets dumped on my wife. Right. 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 And so, yeah, it's again, it's where it comes into the intentionality and the cooperation of, um, you know, like like once a week I go and meet with a friend for coffee. And so me and my wife have, have decided, okay, that, that extra, you know, hour to hour and a half um, that she's going to have to take with my kids, that's that's an hour and a half for me to be able to kind of like be poured into a little bit outside of our family. And, and, uh, and the goal is, and usually what happens is I come home and that hour and a half helps me be a better father and a better spouse for the rest of that week. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's, it's coming to a, an agreement on what's appropriate, um, and what's actually beneficial, Mm -hmm. um, because it can very quickly turn into, I just need three hours to go numb out. And that may not be beneficial. Right. Right. Uh, you know, maybe what feels good in the moment, but that may not be what's beneficial to my wife and my kids. Right. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And so very much, um, uh, yes, uh, investing, uh, in the marriage just as much as you're investing in the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, any other thoughts? 
about the stay at home. The, there's other things that Lee talked about, but I don't know if we have time to get fully into it. Um, but I think you, you brought it up uh, earlier with uh, the passage in Proverbs uh, about you know, raise your kids in the Lord. When they grow, they won't depart from it. You know, I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, if even if we are faithful, remain faithful, if we're faithfully raising our kids the right way, if we're home, if we're staying home, if we are uh, pouring into them, if we're present, um, if we're doing everything we can to guard our marriages, our relationships with our kids, uh, it doesn't guarantee uh, success. It doesn't guarantee uh, that if they do depart from the faith, there will eventually be uh, repentance. Um, just to sort of recap uh, mm-hmm. what you're saying, because yeah. I do think this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at uh, uh, John Piper, uh, he's a um, you know a bigger name evangelical uh, pastor who's uh, he's retired now. Um, one of his uh, sons, uh, Abraham Piper, uh, is one that Abraham. Yeah, you've yeah you've heard of him, right? No, uh, no, no. Uh, I've heard of Barnabas. Piper. No, oh. I think it's his other son. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. this one. He uh, even from the time he was a teenager, uh, he he fell away uh, from the faith and is even gone uh, from simply not believing to being more aggressive uh, mm-hmm. towards uh, Christianity and uh, and things like that. And I, man, I can only imagine uh, mm-hmm. how that must make uh, John uh, feel. Um, you know, I don't. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> with, uh, uh, again, can't imagine. But uh, again, there's uh, and you know, time's not hasn't run out on that situation, mm-hmm. and so you, you never know what may happen. Um, but again, uh, a man that's uh, you know faithful to the gospel, that's uh, even a pastor, has lived his life and dedicated his life to serving the church that way, that isn't immune yep. uh, from that, and so. Um, again, uh, sometimes, yes, uh, they do come back. Other times, uh, they may not or may, may not have yet. Yeah. Uh, so just, um, you know, remaining faithful, doing mm-hmm. the things that we're supposed to be doing, uh, being responsible is uh, is important for yeah. us. Yeah, and that will, uh, we'll, we'll tie that in with um, how Lee uh, kind of conclude the sermon. So Manasseh uh, spends whole life or his whole you know, professional life as king, um, l- running away from God, doing things that was detestable in the sight of God, and leading Israel away from God. However, the story doesn't end there. Right. Uh, he actually has a a, a moment of repentance mm-hmm. where he comes back to God. Now, how does that happen? Well, uh, let's read it. Yeah. Uh, Second Chronicles thirty three. Uh, I'm going to start back in verse ten, and we'll read through thirteen. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Therefore, the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, And God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Which, my gosh, (laughs) what what an incredible ending. uh, Yeah. uh, Or or ending for the sermon anyway. But, uh, I mean, what a story. Mm -hmm. So here's Manasseh doing things as detestable as sacrificing his own sons uh, to these false gods and it it takes this what's the word uh, 
catastrophe in his life to really wake him up, mm-hmm. to shock him into uh, waking up to repenting. I mean, the, the Lord in this way really got his attention. Yeah, because it's really important to, to look at God is the one that brought the military to come mm-hmm. bound him up, right? That's right. Which, which is an important lesson for all of us. A lot of times, like, when things happen in our life, you know, we're like, oh, like, this, is, this isn't God. This is, like, Satan trying to work against me and stuff like that. And, and no, it may be God trying to wake you up. Yeah. It may be God trying to get your attention mm-hmm. here. Um, a lot of times, like, the situations that we find ourselves in our life are the direct result of us uh, falling away from God. Yeah. And we're just having to, you know, we've made our bed, now we're living in it kind mm-hmm. of thing. And... Um, and so that, that's important to know is that God sent this army not to necessarily punish Manasseh as much as this to discipline him mm-hmm. um, and to bring Manasseh back, right? Mm-hmm. And yep, yeah, that's right. And uh, there's a, I mean, there's a pretty stark contrast here uh, between Assyria and Manasseh and Assyria and Hezekiah. So if you'll remember, uh, I think it was just the chapter before this in Second Chronicles 32, if I remember right. Um, the Assyrian army is, uh, they invade the kingdom of Judah. They're there uh, at the walls of Jerusalem. And Hezekiah cries out and uh, asks God to help, uh, to, to help save them. He humbles himself um, and, and ultimately uh, God delivers, right? Mm-hmm. He sends an uh, angel uh, to come and destroy the, the Assyrian army. And suddenly, the threat is totally gone, right? Mm-hmm. Hezekiah is faithful, right? Manasseh, he had to learn the lesson the hard way, yeah. didn't he? Um, so, here we go. The, the army of the king of Assyria uh, captured uh, captures him. Uh, it's probably not a very pretty sight as he's uh, brought to Babylon. Uh, and the result of that was he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes... Uh, and here's an encouraging note. Sometimes it takes some of us a little longer to sort of wake up, <laughs> yeah. humble ourselves. We need to hit rock little, bottom a little, a little harder. Basically. Yeah. 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 Somebody's rock bottom might be here. Somebody mm-hmm. else's rock bottom may be down here. Yeah. Now, here's the important thing to note. Is, uh, so, it says that he sought the favor of the Lord uh, and humbled himself before God. Mm-hmm. And it says, he prayed to him and the Lord was receptive to his prayer. So, even though Manasseh devoted himself against God, to his own practices, to his own desires, to other gods, other idols, and led Israel in the same direction. You would think that God is like, no, you're done. You're out of here. But no, like when, when Manasseh came to God humbly, God accepted him, mm-hmm. right? And that's just a, a good um, encouragement to all of us, whether we're in a situation where we ourselves have um, drifted from God or we have a child that's drifted from God, that, that there's always hope and that God will always receive them back if they come to God humble and seeking Him out, mm-hmm. right? Um, important thing to note, uh, we, we didn't read it, but but it it, it tells us that, that this, you know, coming to Jesus moment that Manasseh had wasn't just a get-out-of-hell-free card um, right. or get-out-of-jail-free card in this case. Um, <laughs> um, but it says that he actually went back and he removed all the idols mm-hmm. from the temple and, and uh, essentially rededicated the temple to God and uh, not only him but all the people of Israel um, were sacrificed to the Lord alone. Yeah. And so, so this is like a true... Conversion, repentance, um, he's come back to God and has led Israel back to God, which again leads us back to point one um, of uh, the 
fathers, we have an amazing um, ability to lead and responsibility to lead. And then the same way that our leading our, our leading our family away from God, uh, we have the same ability to lead them to God yep. in the same way that Manasseh led Israel away from God, but he also led them Israel back to God. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And uh, for some, you know, we may uh, identify more with Hezekiah. Uh, for others, we may identify more with Manasseh <laughs> yeah, even. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's that uh, that leadership uh, role again that we're uh, we are supposed to play uh, in our homes and uh, in our families. Even uh, I mean, we can even broaden this out uh, to an extent yeah. to uh, involve uh, work or you know whatever, yeah. whatever that it is, uh, whatever sphere. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, it's a great uh, it's a great responsibility, but it's also a great privilege uh, mm-hmm. to be able to to lead others yeah. uh, in our families, our kids, and everybody else to the Lord. Yep. So that's a Sunday sermon. Uh, the faith of a father, the, the two points that we talked about today is um, to stay faithful and to stay home. And the idea being is stay faithful, lead your family well, let them see your faith um, to the Lord and they will follow that. And then to stay home in the sense of be involved in your family's life, not just your kid's life, but your spouse's wife life as well. Um, uh, do your due diligence, take responsibility for that and help lead them uh, through those things and be involved in their life. All right. Well, that is uh, Sunday's sermon. I liked it as a father. Always enjoy hearing parenting sermons. Um, uh, but... That's it for that one. So now we get to move into Bad Doctrine of the Week. Bad Doctrine of the Week. We still need a is song. That the, is that the song? Yeah, it's coming out. It's coming out. Yeah, Judah's working on it. All right. I have not heard the Bad Doctrine of the Week this time. Jacob's got it. So we're going to figure this one out together. If I can get it to open. If you can get it to open. Judah, how are you doing? We, we can just chat while... While Jacob's getting that ready. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, I woke up at like four last night and just, just was awake. Ouch. And so I just kind of laid there. I had like really bad heartburn. I had wing stop last night. Probably shouldn't have had that. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle yeah. sometimes, isn't it? I'm getting old enough now that like I'm feeling the effects of my food. <laughs> are you there yet? Do you feel the effects of your food yet? No, nah, it just goes right through me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I uh, finally got the article. Okay. The doctor of the week. That's right. There uh, you go. Song forthcoming. Um, okay. So here's, uh, there's an article from Forbes magazine. Uh, came out June 13th of this year. Uh, here's the headline. And I'll kind of read uh, some snippets to kind of give you an idea of what we're, what we're talking about. And this actually flows nicely into what, uh, the sermon mm-hmm. uh, and even... Okay, here's the headline. Two reasons why living apart together marriages are on the rise, according to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Living apart together marriages. So, uh, uh, recently, I'll just kind of read some, like I said, some snippets. The BBC featured a story about a Japanese couple who made the unconventional decision to maintain a legal marriage while living separately. The more uh, sorry, the, the reason more and more couples choose separation marriage is because they want to maintain their lifestyle, uh, says uh, Hiromi Takeda, 
who adopted a separation marriage with her husband, this other guy with the same last name, uh, Mm -hmm. to combine the benefits of both being married and being single. Like tax-wise? Although we don't live together, our marriage provides me with emotional support. It's so wonderful to dream of a future, not alone, but with my wife. Okay. So, <laughs> so Chris, so, tell me, what are your thoughts about... Uh, let, let me just make sure I'm, I'm wrapping my mind around what's going on. All right, so they're, they're married legally, mm-hmm. but they live in separate houses? Like, they're not even in the same house, just different rooms? Uh, presumably. Yeah, so they're, so they're living completely separate lifestyles, um, but they're still married. <sighs> Doesn't sound like a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how would you define, or like, what is a marriage then? Uh, like, what does the Bible say about... Okay, so, so the Bible says marriage is between one man, one woman, whenever... Whenever uh, God instituted marriage in Genesis, he says, therefore, a husband uh, shall leave his father and mother, cling fast to his wife, and the two shall become one. Right? This doesn't sound like one. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds like, what is it? Like, you know, one plus one equals like one and a half or two or... Yeah. It's it's like they're doing some funny math right here. Yeah, Um, so... So the the reasoning is they just want to um, they want to maintain their own lifestyle. Uh, yes. So you you get the some of the benefits of marriage. You get some of the benefits of being single. So here's here's another sort of uh, part of this article. Living apart together may be the right solution if you and your partner are unable to meet each other in the middle on issues like. Do either of you have dietary restrictions or habits that cause the other partner considerable inconvenience? Uh, I have thoughts on these, by the way. <laughs> uh, here's another one. This one's, you'll like this one. Do you have conflicting ideas about personal space? <laughs> here's this one. Are there any health, financial considerations, or other responsibilities that might be better managed individually rather than jointly? All right. Okay. Judah, <laughs> you're single, right? That's correct. Okay. Here's some advice. If this is your thought, if you, let's say you meet a, a, a gal and you're like, man, I love this girl. She's great. She's fantastic. But she's gluten free. <laughs> I just don't know if I can live that lifestyle. Well, not even live that lifestyle. I just don't even know if I can live in the same house as her. I can't be around you. I just can't be around you because you're going to have a different uh, dietary style than me. Don't get married. Just don't get married, man. Okay. All right. Well, I'll say this about that one because that was the one that, uh, you know, really caught my attention. So my wife is lactose intolerant. Yeah. And so if she's cooking, you know, I like cheese Mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. So uh, lasagna. For example, is off the menu, uh, mm-hmm. and this is something that you know has to be okay. Yeah. Uh, that you know, I'm not going to expect her to go and make a lasagna special for me. I mean, you know, that'd be cool, but mm-hmm. right. I mean, it's it's not a reasonable expectation, and uh, but that doesn't mean that hey, you know what? You get your own kitchen, I get my own kitchen, and our own separate living areas, and we'll get together for date night, or we'll get together <laughs> yeah. for a sleepover, or whatever. Man, yeah. So so it's interesting. Um, 
So again, one, we talked about marriage before. One of the whole points of marriage <laughs> is that you become one, right? And then becoming one, you know, it sounds all like you're at the wedding. It's like, oh, yeah, everything that I have is yours. Like the unity candle. Yeah, and everything and... they have is mine. And it's so beautiful and such a poetic, romantic thought. But in reality, it's a nightmare, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, personally, I wouldn't say it's a nightmare. In yeah. case my wife is watching, yeah, right. <laughs> you, you dig your own grave just, on that just, one. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> it is the most beautiful thing I have ever experienced in my life. Um, no, okay, you're gonna so, have to buy her flowers yeah, to make up for that one. <laughs> no, so she would agree. It's just as much a nightmare for her because okay, you've got two people, two completely individual people with their own quirks and their own ways of living, um, their own cleanliness standards, their own dietary standards, their own financial standards. And, and the idea of marriage is I've got my own way of living and my own like thought process on, on how the world works, and you've got your own. And the idea isn't that we both continue operating just on our own, but we both come together and we create something new and something mm-hmm. uh, different in that. And so... And what that ends up doing is it does, to be fair, the article, it does create a lot of stress mm-hmm. in the beginning because you're trying to yeah. figure out how it works, right? Um, your wife is lactose intolerant. My wife um, doesn't have any like dietary restrictions in, in that sense, but um, she does like like gluten, mm-hmm. does like... Um, it not, affects her. Yeah, not, not what, what do they call gluten intolerant uh, people? Um, there's like a word for it. Google. <laughs> um so, so she's not that far towards like a medical yeah. condition, um, but it just has like adverse effects on her body, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times like she'll uh, be gluten free, and um, and so it's just. Did you find it? Celiac disease. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah, celiac that's disease. Right. Yeah, so she doesn't have celiac disease, um, but she does have like some inverse effects from gluten mm-hmm. um, and dairy and stuff like that, and so um, it just kind of creates a little bit of tension at the beginning because you're trying to figure out, okay, like. Like, you aren't going to make the same meals that I'm going to make. Right. Um, and, you know, if it moves over into finances, you're not going to make the same financial decisions that I'm going to make. Like, like I'm a cheapskate. And Randy is like, let's have a good time. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, when it comes to all these things, the solution isn't, okay, you go do you, and I'm going to go do me. Right. Like, uh, the unpopular opinion, I think um, spouses should have combined bank accounts. Um, and, and the reason is, is because if, if we have the operation, no, okay, let, let's throw a caveat on that. Caveat is, um, if one of your spouse has like an abuse issue right. or like, like an issue where they are a legitimate liability to drain the bank account and, and put y'all in financial despair. If that's the case, y'all have some other issues to talk right. about. Um, Absolutely. but in a normal situation, I think, uh, Spouses should have combined bank accounts because the goal isn't, okay, here's your money, here's my money, you go spend it how you want, I'll spend it how I want, and we'll just come together on these like common um, uh, household things. Um, no, combine them together, and then now we're, we're going to have the fight. We're going to have the fight of what we do with this money now, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's going to cause fights. It's going to cause disagreements because y'all are two different people and they're going to have their own idea of how we should spend this money and you're going to have your own idea of how you should spend this money. And the solution isn't, okay, we'll, we'll just go live two separate lives. Um, no, the solution is, okay, let's sit and talk. Yeah. And let's figure this out because we are a man and a woman who have now become one. 
Uh, two separate things. One, and you can apply that to anything. And if you're in a situation that you are unwilling to budge on your lifestyle for your spouse, don't get married. Yep. Just don't do it because uh, you're you're just you're creating a world um, where you're going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're just going to get to the point where you're like, let's just live two separate lives, and we'll just go out on date night, and it's like. It's not marriage. Right. It's not marriage. Um, and it kind of makes me wonder. So uh, we've talked about this uh, before, uh, the increasing age of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been going up yep. uh, recently. What it, what's the average age now? Do you I remember? think for guys it's 30. Okay, 30. And so I, I wonder if, you know, that's this what, what this article really is talking about is like, kind of a side effect of that. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. so if you're already pretty well established mm-hmm. in how you like to, or how you're living, right? And, uh, you know, you fall in love with somebody, uh, but you don't really want to make those concessions because you're already so established. Uh, yeah. Is that where you, can, you see this kind of yeah. maybe coming from? And Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. Um, so I got married when I was 27. And so I, I lived on my own um, for, since I was 18, so nine years. I lived on my own. I mean, you want to talk about culture shock. Yeah. Um, guys and girls live way differently. <laughs> um, uh, have you seen that? Uh, yeah. I think I might have showed you that it was a, there's a picture and it's this apartment living room mm-hmm. and it's completely empty. All that there is in this room is a lazy boy recliner. <laughs> there is a TV that's like on top of a box with like an Xbox or something. Mm-hmm. And the caption on the meme is, it irritates women that men can live like this and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Live way differently. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I lived nine years on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's just kind of a culture shock because you're just, I was so used to the way that, that I lived that um, there was there was a lot of like, um, like growth that I had to do and compromise that I had to do not because what she was doing was wrong, but because it was just different mm-hmm. than how I did it. And so we just had, we had to, again, come to meet in the middle to make something new. Um, like she doesn't get everything that she wants and I don't get everything that I want. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the point. The point is how can we come together and be one now, not two individuals. Right. Um, so yeah, very much um, delayed marriage is contributing to this where you and Sam all got married pretty young, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I had just turned 22 and she was still 21 mm-hmm. uh, when we got married. So, which in the olden days was old. That was, that used to yeah. be old. Yeah. yeah. But now it's like super young. Yeah. So, uh, for us in a lot of ways, we, we sort of grew up together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we started dating back in, in high school. We were 17, I guess at the time. And, uh, and it got married a few years later. And so, uh, you know, we were even like, like at a, we weren't even totally out of college yet when we got married. And so, uh, for us, we really kind of got to uh, start building that life together, uh, without those sort of, um, you know, individually established lives before that for very long, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. So, I mean, we struggled in some other ways. Like we had to go and like we each, each of us had to go and figure things out along the way, mm-hmm. right? That was kind of one of the things about it. Uh, getting married younger is, yeah, we're going to, yeah, there's going to be mistakes that we make, but we didn't have that established life apart from each other or not, not as established anyway mm-hmm. as living uh, single yep. and solo for nine years first and then having to uh, sort of leave that in the rearview mirror to make something new. Yeah. Um, 
and so uh, it was different. Mm-hmm. I guess it was just different. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I uh, I would not recommend uh, the living apart together marriages. Um, uh, at that point, yeah. at that point, uh, it, I don't see that as a marriage anymore. Um, it's just like it's a marriage in name, mm-hmm. but in like principle and in like what marriage is supposed to be. You're just two single people. Yeah, like well, on dates. And what do you do whenever the the kids arrive on the scene? Uh, what do you do? Yeah. It's like, oh well, we're married, but functionally not i mean at, yeah at, now yeah. it did say in the article that mm-hmm. well maybe someday you know they're they're married but they're living apart together uh maybe someday we will live together but not yet it's like oh i want to enjoy being uh single ish for yeah. now and um and so you know to be fair to the article it seemed like that was like a future thing that they wanted to do or, or mm-hmm. perhaps it, this might lead to living together in the future uh, but sort of, it does bring up a lot of questions. Yeah. Even. Yeah. Yeah. So we could belabor this for a long time. But, <laughs> yeah, we could. But uh, yeah, essentially, uh, yeah, if, if that's the mindset you're going to take into marriage, just don't, don't get married. Yep. Be better yeah. to put it off. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you got some stuff to figure out because once you get into marriage again, it, you're sacrificing yourself. It's not about what you want anymore. It's not about what necessarily what they want anymore. It's about what's the what's the best for our combined marriage. Right. Um, and sometimes that means that I eat gluten free. Yeah. And uh, sometimes that means that Randy goes to Panda Express um, <laughs> for Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means that we buy the the cage free free range <laughs> chicken eggs. Does that irritate you a little? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a cheapskate man. I see, uh, I see the, like the the dollar ninety nine eggs, mm-hmm. and and she reaches for the college educated eggs <laughs> that are like that also have like their six dollars. Yeah, right. <laughs> gotta pay that off first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh uh, yeah. We've had many discussions on this, Randy. I love you. <laughs> I wouldn't want went any other way. They're. They're great eggs. That's true. He even told me that before we started the podcast, yes. for the record. Yes. So. I love my wife. I wouldn't want it any other way. But that's where we have rubs is uh, on on you know, what we value. And so it's, you know, it's, again, coming together to say not what, what, does, she, not what does she want and not what do I want, but what, what's best for our family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means we, we do what she wants to do, and sometimes it means we do what I want to do. Yep. Um, and sometimes it means that we create a whole new solution yep. that isn't what I wanted to do and what isn't what she wanted to do. Yep. Um, what is it? Uh, a good compromise leaves everybody upset or there's there's some sort yeah. of... A- well, it's like, a, have y'all seen Rules of Engagement? Uh-uh. Uh, so it's a show about um, a couple that just got engaged and they're talking to an older couple that's been married for a long time. And he's like, hey, how do y'all deal with this? And he said, well, let me tell you this. So when, when me and my wife got married... I wanted a, or sorry, when me and my wife got married, she wanted a cat and I didn't want a cat. And so we compromised and got (laughs) a cat. cat. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, okay. Anyways, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, I don't like it, but, you know, it's it's, not bad for bad doctrine of the week. It's at least entertaining. Uh, All right. Well, we are glad that y'all tuned in for episode three of Digging Deeper. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow our channels. Um, Give us a comment on what you think about all this stuff. And we'd love to interact with that. If you got any bad doctrines of the week, let us know. We'd love to talk about them. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you later. Judah, you want to say bye? Bye. (laughs) All right. See y'all next week.